sometimes on Father's Day, it doesn't feel very celebratory. And if you don't feel like celebrating today, that's all right. Because God is with you in your sorrow. This is a great day. And you're celebrating, then God is with you in your joy. And praise God for that. Um, God is often referred to as our father. Have you guys heard that? When Jesus was teaching his followers how to pray, he said, um, pray to our father who's in heaven. And so it wasn't, he didn't just refer to God as his father. He referred to God as their father too, and our father. But sometimes, hey Bobby, I have a water I made. I think it's on the back table. So it's in a juice bottle, just a refilled juice bottle. Thank you. Sometimes thinking of God as our father can be complicated. Some of us have complicated relationships with our own fathers. And um, whatever hardships and abandonments and hurt and shame that we carry with the relationships we have with our own fathers, sometimes without even trying, that can carry over to our relationship with God. Um, and it can even influence how we think God is because God is referred to as our father so many times. Even if you had the best father in the whole wide world, which I hope you did, but if you had the best father in the whole wide world, he was human and he had flaws because nobody's perfect. But if we had a dad who's like emotionally unavailable or cold and didn't know how to properly care for us, we can think of God as distant and unavailable. If our dad abused us, we can have a hard time trusting that God wants what's best for us. And it can sometimes be hard if we come from abuse um, to let down our guard and surrender to God. If we had a dad who was all fun and games when things were good, but absent when things get hard, we can think that God is for us when things are going good. But when hard times come, we don't always know if God's available for us in our troubles. If we had to constantly be good to be loved and approved by God, then sometimes we can think that God only loves us or approves of us when we're doing good or making good choices and being good by our actions, right? Um, if we're abandoned by our dad, we can feel like God abandons us too. I know that we don't think or feel this way on purpose. And this isn't something that is a shameful thing. It's just something that we have to walk through. And if you have kids and you've messed up, join the club because, you know, <laughs> that's what happens. And um, we do the best we can. It's not something we do on purpose to see God like our earthly father, but it's something we can do subconsciously without even thinking about it or realizing it. And I remember when I realized that I was attributing some things that my dad was like, and I was thinking that God was like that too, without even trying. It wasn't like a conscious thing where I was like, oh, my dad's like this. God, you must be like this too, right? And so that's why I'm talking about this today because I don't know, it's a good 
reminder to check in with ourselves and check in with our view of how we see God. Because God's not like our earthly fathers. God doesn't treat us as our earthly fathers did. God's love and care for us is beyond what even a perfect earthly father could be or do. And we're going to read some stories out of the Bible um, that Jesus taught. A lot of times Jesus taught using parables. Maybe you've heard that word, parable. All that really is, is like an example story to teach a concept or a lesson. It's just a way that Jesus taught people where people could understand it in their own words. And I think that's really beautiful. Um, I like to visualize stuff a lot when I'm reading or when I'm hearing something. And when Jesus teaches in parables, that helps me to visualize what Jesus is trying to say. I was just going to read, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. The Bible is divided into two parts. The Old Testament is in the front, and the New Testament is in the back. The Old Testament is quite a bit longer. But it, yeah. And the first four books of the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those books are called the Gospel or the Good News. And their stories are about Jesus written from different perspectives. Luke 15, Luke 15. So it's kind of cool to have different perspectives because different people see stuff different ways, right? And they were also written, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were also written to different audiences. So the thing that the writers were trying to bring out was a little bit different for each audience or each person who they wanted to read it. And I was going to read just the last part of this chapter. But um, the stories before it are so good and are so important to the last story that instead of just listening to me talk and my ideas, I'm actually going to read you the whole chapter. Um, and that will be the bulk of my sermon because it's Jesus's sermon. And maybe you can listen to it afresh. Lately, I've been trying to read the Bible afresh, like read it and try to forget any ideas that I had before or any teachings I've heard um, and just kind of picturing Jesus saying it and what it must have meant to him. And I probably understand it wrong, but that's okay because I'm in process, right? Um, one thing that we're going to do is look at the first few verses to see who Jesus was talking to. Because sometimes when I'm imagining Jesus saying stuff, it's important to, if you can, you can't always, but you can sometimes figure out who Jesus was talking to, and that gives us a little bit of insight on the stories, right? Because um, maybe the stories were meant for the people who he was talking to, and for us. <laughs> so the beginning of Luke 15, and these Bibles, Bibles have different translations, and that doesn't, sometimes the wording can be a little bit different, but the gist of what's in it is the same. Um, these are English Standard Version, which is a little bit more, um, what, Bob, true to the original language, do you think? Or a little bit? But I'm going to be reading out of the New Living just because for storytelling, and since I'm going to be reading quite a few verses, it's easier to listen to, I think, sometimes in this case. It doesn't mean this one isn't good, but if you see words that are a little different, that's why. 
so let's see here. My paper's got mixed up. Mm-hmm. It must have been that Sasquatch got mixed up. So tax collectors and other notorious often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Oh, what a scandal. So that is who Jesus is talking to here. He's talking to the tax collectors and other notorious sinners, right? And then the Pharisees, who were like the people who are really trying to be good and follow all the laws so that they can be proud and they can be better than the other people. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And they were complaining that Jesus was talking to sinful people. So here's the stories that Jesus told based on that. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man has two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die, which was kind of like saying, I want you dead. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. 
So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, You've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but, but now he was found. Thank you, God, for your word. So Jesus was talking to two groups of people, the ones who were the religious people of the day, thinking they were better than the other group, who were the outcasts and the people who had hard pasts, and probably the people who were still caught up, you know, and doing dirt. And when we look at the story about the father and his two sons, we can see a connection between the son that ran away and the tax collectors and the prostitutes, right? The son that, so Jesus was talking to these two groups, the son that ran away could be like the tax collectors and the sinners and the prostitutes, and then the Pharisees, the religious people, could be like the son that stayed. Um, the outcasts didn't feel worthy of God's love and care. And Jesus was speaking to them about that. And he's speaking to us about that, too. We don't feel worthy of God's love and care. The second son, the one who stayed, can be related to the other group of people who Jesus was talking to, the religious people of the day. The ones who thought that what they did and how they acted earned them the right to be son. They thought that because they had earned the right to be a son, that meant that the son that ran away had lost the right to be a son and he should not be celebrated. But guess what? The father loved them both. The father loved them both. He loved the one that ran away and came back. And he loved the one that tried to work to prove that he was good enough. He loved them both. Maybe you find yourself relating to the son who left and make choices, make choices that messed up his life. 
I know there's things that I've done that I could fit in that category. Or maybe you relate with the son who had to do everything right, who had to make sure he didn't mess up, or maybe the father wouldn't want him. Maybe you've been in those shoes. That's a lot of pressure. You can't earn God's love for you. He loves you because he loves you, because that's who God is. Or maybe you feel like you have to be good because uh, and not make mistakes because you've made so many mistakes, right? We have we can sometimes be in both categories. You know, we've made lots of choices that we regret, but we're trying to be good to make up for them so that we can be loved and loved and accepted. Um, maybe we fall in that category. And the thing is, is that we don't, let's see, when we're like off in the land, you know, spending our money and like the sun that took off, we're, when we're doing that stuff and we come back, the father was happy that we were back. The father comes ha is happy when we get back to him and we turn away from that, but he didn't love the sun any less when the sun was off doing his dirt. He doesn't love people any less when they're in the street smoking fentanyl. God doesn't love them any less. God wants them to get healthy. The train is gonna. Yeah. Yeah. I know as soon as I start talking again, it's gonna. There's a few more beeps or honks. Almost. Oh. <laughs> okay. Chucky should want You think it's done, Chuck? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And every crawl through is supposed to be three poles. Okay. There's an open across the way. No Okay. So what I was saying is the people who are out on the streets smoking fentanyl are not loved any less than a priest who's in a church that has never made a mistake, according to them, right? <laughs> and he doesn't love that person anymore because they've never messed up. God loves us. He loves his children. And he wants us to turn away from the stuff that hurts us because, because God loves us. God's not up there saying, be good, and then I'll love you. God's saying, I don't want you to do this stuff because it's hurting you, and I love you. I love you. So um, that's how God transforms our life, you know, and we start getting uncomfortable with the things that we were doing, and that's God's work in our life. Um, so whatever son you relate to, wherever you find yourself, you're loved. You don't have to be squeaky clean to be worthy of God's love. You can come running back to God and be met with a ring and a robe and a celebration because God is there with you already. And if you're the one who stayed working day in and day out, being good and trying to do what's best, you don't have to feel forgotten when your brother who comes home or sister who comes home is celebrated because you're fully loved too. And the blessing of God has always been available to you. And anything that God gives to someone else, it's not going to take away what God has for you. We don't ever have to feel like jealous or envious of our brothers and sisters 
or of other people who, you know, are starting their lives with God because God's love and God's blessings are abundant. It doesn't take away from what God has from you, for you. And I think that second son, you know, he'd been so good and I can kind of see how he would feel, but at the same time, he still had everything he always had, you know, that second son. Um, everything that the father had was already his. And just because they threw a party for the son who came home, that didn't mean that something that he had was going to be taken from him. And that's important for us to remember. Um, so circling back to what I shared at the beginning, our experiences or abandonments, if we didn't have an experience that we had with our earthly dads can really affect the way that our view of and our relationship with God is today. And we can carry that with anyone. And as we can see from this story that Jesus told, God as our father is not flawed or broken. God as our father is running to us wherever we are. God as our father is meeting us in like the uttermost and guttermost places in our lives. In those dirty places, when we're ashamed, God our Father is meeting us there. And God our Father is meeting us if we've been working hard to be good and working hard to stay clean and working hard to do what we're supposed to do. God's meeting us in that too and lifting that burden off of us because we don't have to do stuff to try to make God love us. God loves us. Just be who we are. Yeah, Chuck, you're good at that. <laughs> um, I'm not speaking for very long today, but um, to make, yeah, to make space for us to respond to what we heard today, to me, it feels kind of heavy. Um, I don't know if it feels that way to you. Um, but to make space for us to respond to what Jesus said in the Bible, I'm going to play a song after we pray. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to put on a song. You don't have to sing along if you don't want to, or you can if you want. Um, but that's just going to be a space that you can reflect on um, maybe some things that you picked up from your earthly dad that you've put on God. And if you don't know, you can even ask God because God speaks to us in our hearts. You can like say in your heart, God, is there anything that I believe about you that isn't true that came from my dad or a lack of a dad? Um, in that song, there's a word that's maybe new to us, but it's a word that's used in the Bible. I just want to give a preface so it doesn't sound weird, or maybe it'll still sound weird, but at least you'll know what it means. Because it's a word that's Abba. And Abba is used in the Bible. And um, it's an ancient Aramaic, Aramaic term roughly equivalent to dad or daddy. Jesus used it. And there's a few other places in the Bible where it's used that's really, really powerful. Because um, according to these verses, we have the right to call God our father. So if you don't have a dad, if your dad has passed away or maybe you never knew your dad, um, you have a daddy who loves you, an Abba. And um, I'm going to read these verses to you and kind of 
uh, almost like a declaration over you guys. And that just means you can hear the words and you can take them as your own because this is what the Bible says. So Romans 8, 15 through 17 says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as, your, as his own children. Now we call God Abba Father, for God's spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are God's children, we are God's heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Because it's not always easy. Not always rainbows and butterflies, right? Sometimes there's suffering. Maybe more times than we want to admit. But the glory that God's going to reveal as, as us, his children, is going to be worth it. And Galatians 4, 6 and 7 says, And because we are God's children, God has sent the spirit of God's son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. If you can think about the experience you had with your earthly fathers, we can. We might be able to identify the ideas we have about God that may not, might not be true. We can ask God to help us lay down those false beliefs and replace them with God's truth. So I'm going to pray now. And I'm going to turn the song on. And then we're going to have root beer floats. <laughs> <laughs> So, so woo -woo. <laughs> um, and communion first. We're gonna have communion. First. Yeah. No, not, yeah. I suppose we could do that for communion, but no, we're gonna have communion and, and root beer floats after communion. But it just feels kind of heavy, and I wanted to like say, okay, <laughs> not gonna be all heavy. We're gonna have some fun too. We're gonna have a celebration. Um. So, God, I thank you that you're here with us. And that we can call out to you as Father or Abba Father, and that you're right there when we need you every time. And you don't leave us, you don't abandon us, God, you don't abuse us. Holy Spirit, there are areas in our hearts where we believe lies and we need healing and truth. Please make us sensitive to recognizing when we believe you are like our earthly Father. Help us realize where thoughts and feelings are actually coming from so that we can experience your healing and so that we can have our images of you redeemed as we heal from the wounds. God, you call us beloved children. You know the pain we feel or we may feel, God, when we hear the word Father. Help us to trust you are with us in that pain and that you're different from what we've known as a father. Bless our dads, God. Bless our dads wherever they are. And we bless them and forgive them and help us to walk that out in our lives. Reveal those parts of who you are that we have not yet seen for ourselves, God. And help us to trust 
that you are here for our good. Help me not to rush out of your presence, running away like the younger brother, or mistrust your grace like the older brother, but help us to receive your love and to run to meet your embrace. We trust you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.